First today to a new chapter in a decades-long debate here in Australia. Should we add dental care to Medicare? Put it another way, how do we address this uncomfortable fact that three in ten people delay or avoid seeing a dentist because of the cost, which can cause a range of other much more expensive health problems? The Australian fair go is surely at stake here. Now, part of the problem is the deeply entrenched divorce between the medical and dental professions. As one writer put it recently, your your doctor doesn't ask if you floss and your dentist doesn't ask if you exercise. But maybe they both should because health outcomes might improve. WA Green Senator Jordan Steelejohn is chairing a Senate committee into dental health care right now. And this weekend, more than 5,000 dentists from more than 100 countries have made their way to Sydney for the largest dental conference ever held in Australia, at which issues like this will be on the agenda. Two key contributors are joining me now, the Australian Dental Association's Vice President, Dr Scott Davis, and sleep apnea expert, Professor Danny Eckert. Join me. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Dentistry and general medicine have been separated since dentistry's inception, I understand, having looked at a very interesting piece of history on this. How would you say this divide has affected the way we treat our health? First, to you, Dr. Davis. I think to some degree it's it's led to people thinking that oral health isn't as an, an important component of our general health. And dentistry being somewhat a technical profession has gone down a pathway of learning certain uh, physical skills, but there's, there's a very large medical component to dentistry as well. And I fear that people have neglected their oral health, not realising how big an impact it can have on so many chronic diseases. How have they managed to stay so separate from what I gather was an event in 1840 in Baltimore in America and um, two somewhat self-taught dentists approached the Medicine College at the University of Maryland to establish dentistry as a course, but they were rejected. Uh, and that's, it's sort of this symbolic break has, has occurred ever since. I don't know whether that's how you understand it, but it was certainly quite revealing. Certainly at the, the beginning of time of, of those professions of, of our inception, that was true. If you look at the university system now, in many schools, um, dentistry is part of the faculty of medicine. Um, so it's being recognised at an academic level that the body is the body, the mouth is part of the body. Um, at a governmental level, uh, it, it all comes down to Treasury having more power than the, the uh, health department, I suspect, mm-hmm. and they're concerned about the, the cost of, of dentistry overall. Okay. We as a profession really want to argue there are specific disadvantaged groups who need care first, and we have some very simple schemes that could be implemented for a, a, a very small amount of money, make a huge difference to health of these all groups. All right, I'll come back to that. Now, Professor Eckert, how would you answer the question, um, how have dentistry and general medicine stayed so separate? Look, I guess the condition that um, I I focus on, obstructive sleep apnea, a chronic respiratory disorder that affects uh, over a billion people around the planet, well over a a million Australian adults, uh, the second line treatment is, uh, in fact, a a, a mouth guard fitted by a dentist uh, 
And uh, actually, the health benefits are, are the research has shown us for over, tw- uh, over 10 years now that the health benefits from a what we call a mandibular advancement uh, splint to pull the jaw forward and open up that airway uh, is just as beneficial as, as the first line therapy, which is continuous positive airway pressure therapy. CPAP uh, machines. Or, yeah, CPAP machine, also yeah. invented uh, uh, here in Australia. Um, and yet, uh, despite the similar health benefits in terms of um, feeling alert, re- reducing your sleepiness, um, uh, benefits potentially in terms of uh, blood pressure reductions and so forth, over 80%, probably more like over 90% of people are prescribed CPAP therapy first line and only a minority ever uh, are prescribed uh a oral appliance uh, such as mandibular advancement splint. So, and, and part of that is because uh, they are separated. Um, as, as so, because it's doctors who would uh, generally prescribe CPAP, is it? That is correct. Yep, the sleep physician, or, or, or in some cases, the uh, general practitioner will be uh, prescribing that uh, that CPAP in, under certain circumstances. Um, and the way that the oral appliance work, it has to be a, a partnership between the uh, sleep physician and the dentist in order for it to work. I mean, this is extraordinary <laughs> to hear this, isn't it? Why is this so? Why isn't there more uh, cross-referencing? Look, it, it is, um, as you've referred to, that historical uh, separation and um, the way that the funding systems have been set up around that make it very difficult for um, uh, for, for it to be, uh, for a consumer uh, to... to uh, yeah, get the same access uh, to a uh, dental device that they would um, for a CPAP machine, for example. And therefore, I suppose I could draw the conclusion that it must mean the dentistry profession does not deal with government as well as the medical profession has learned to do. Is that also the case, Scott? Oh, that's a loaded question. Well, it's, uh, it's sitting well, there staring us in the face. Let me put it this way. Uh, during Dental Health Week about a month ago, uh, our, all our federal executive and senior staff from the federal ADA flew to Canberra um, to meet with figures in the Senate and, and other entities, and the health minister couldn't find the time to even speak to us. When we approached him and said, look, we really want to sit down and have a discussion about oral health because it's important, um, he said, oh, I'll look into that, which I suspect is code for no. Um, we need entities, to be honest, like yourself, to, to pressure the government to realise oral health is important. We're trying to get improved oral health for all Australians. Um, we just need the government to be on board. How much do your proposals cost? Have you? Can you take us through, because you were alerting to that? Um, yes. Is this part of the trouble? You say Treasury doesn't really want to know you because they're so, what, worried about the cost? Well, two to three years ago... Um, the Greens via the Senate calculated it would be about $88 billion over 10 years. So let's say $9 billion a year um, for um, a mid-level provision of, of oral care. That's not bells and whistles, mm. but it would be all of Australia. And that's, in the current climate, obviously not affordable. However, we have a senior uh, 
person's dental benefit scheme that we've proposed, which would only be just under $100 million a year. It would look after all of aged care facilities and senior people with pensions, etc., and would help them with serious backlog of care. And we can't even get that across. And, and look, $100 million a year uh, in perspective compared to Medicare is the equivalent of about eight hours expenditure on Medicare. How have you been in, able to deliver it at that level? At that price? Mm. Well, it, it, a very strong uh, approach on prevention um, of, of getting the um, aged care f- facilities looking at the diets they're feeding people. There's too much sugar, um, training staff, um, and just it, it's, it's a relatively small cohort compared to the whole population. A lot of them have dentures and other things which aren't as expensive as, as more complex problems and other cohorts. And, and quite frankly, the, the, the fee schedule that the government uses is so low, that's the sort of uh, cost you're looking at. But dentists want to participate in that, even if the, the, the rebates are poor, because we really feel this disadvantaged group needs better oral health care. Um, do they want to participate in it? I mean, I, I have interviewed on this over many years and I have to say that where you see medical reformers in the medical profession, you don't see them in the world of dentistry. So, I mean, have you really got your people on board for this sort of reform work? There are different subsets. I think it, it, there are very challenging individuals to treat within that um, aged group for, for a range of medical and behavioural reasons. But we, we, we have people who really want to get involved because, I mean, let's face it, most of us um, have had a relative at some stage in residential care and realise that there's a need. And so it's really a community service as well as a, a professional service that we, we care for these people. Um, it will take time to get a full workforce across the whole country. We'll have to develop continuing education products to help people with um, specialist geriatric skills to understand that um, subset. But we're ready and willing and, and keen to get this started as soon as possible. You see, uh, the Children's Dental Benefits Scheme exists, doesn't it? Um, yes. Which is, uh, um, I think, that provides something like $1,100 worth of um, uh, dental care to children and I think a couple of visits. So is this the sort of model that you'd seek to extend exactly. in its different way? Is it right? You only need to add about two lines of text to that and, and expand it to the, to the seniors. So it's not major legislation. It's, it's not dip, difficult to implement. Um, the government could, could do it quite rapidly. Okay. If I asked you, uh, Professor Eckert, what uh, are the general areas of dental health problems that are emerging in Australia, would you say, that we're not focusing on sufficiently? Um, and thinking of vaping, for instance, uh, as, uh, I know that vaping is a, is a great concern. Now, what would you isolate that maybe you'd like the general population to understand better? Well, yeah, as you've pointed out, um, vaping and, and indeed smoking uh, damages uh, the upper airway and uh, it can, the chemicals and the irritants uh, associated with vaping as well as the nicotine can cause inflammation and, and, uh, and, and damage that airway and, and make it more likely to close over and collapse and uh, contribute to sleep apnea. The nicotine in of itself can also stimulate the heart, so it increases your heart rate and and, and people who vape 
tend to report more sleep disruption and sleep problems. So it feeds into the cycle of, of, of sleep apnea. Um, but perhaps if I can just go, take a step back when we're talking about the economic uh, arguments mm. here in, in terms of uh, where dentistry can perhaps fit into uh, uh, the sleep health side of it is that, um, you know, four out of 10 Australians have inadequate sleep uh, and that's estimated to cost the Australian community conservatively $66 billion a year. Um, and other um, jurisdictions at the NHS uh, in, in the UK and other areas in the United, uh, sorry, in Europe have, have done these economic analyses and they actually show that Treating um, uh, obstructive sleep apnea with an oral appliance is actually cost beneficial to the healthcare system because, you know, if you are not getting a good night's sleep and uh, literally every single organ in your body can be adversely affected, you're more likely to crash your car, have accidents at work and, and, in, and causing injury and death, more likely to have high blood pressure, mental health issues. So, Actually, we're we're doing ourselves an injustice in, uh, yes. in 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 not funding these mechanisms. And and uh, there was a parliamentary inquiry onto the sort of sleep health um, uh, of, of the nation a few years ago. And uh, the government has actually only just responded to that um, uh, inquiry. And, and certainly, one of the recommendations is is uh, you know better access and more personalised uh, access to treatments such as uh, oral appliances. To drill down a teeny bit further on that, if somebody, um, uh, like it's clearly doctors who are not doing that prescribing, as you say, so would the population even know to go to the dentist about something like this? I mean, this is what I, th what I think is very important in terms of um, just general awareness um, among, um, among the population of where they go for help. Yeah, really good point. And, and, and in fact, um, well over 80% of people that have uh, obstructive sleep apnea out there in the community do not know they have it, let alone what the available treatment options are. So, so this is a very good point. Awareness is crucial. And that was also in the forefront of the uh, parliamentary inquiry uh, recommendations was that need for uh, a greater awareness, education of uh, healthcare providers as well as, as well as the community. And, and Dr. Davis, what would you say are the key dental health issues that are arising in the population? The two big players um, would be dental decay, we call caries, uh, and periodontal disease. And periodontal or gum disease is the one which has the biggest impact on our systemic health. We know that untreated periodontal disease contributes to heart disease, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic kidney disease, dementia. I could go on for several minutes of all the different organ systems that are affected. And, and prevention is, is not particularly difficult, except for a small subset of those patients. And really, we need to identify these things early. We need to promote preventive behaviour for our overall health. Um, promotion requires money for, for advertising and government to take a positive um, step in this and really to talk to doctors and dentists about how do we get the message out to the community even stronger than we've been trying so people realise that their overall health is affected by their poor oral health. What are you hoping might emerge from, say, the Senate inquiry into this, particularly in terms of prevention and the use of, say, dental hygienists uh, to, to advance that sort of cause, which hasn't actually been taken up by the dental profession, I don't think? 
I, I don't think there's an unemployed dental hygienist in the country. They're, they're, they're out there, they're working. Um, there's a lot in both the public and the private sector. The, the Senate inquiry has been excellent so far, and I, I commend them on their understanding of the subject and their, their approach to trying to get a result for, for all Australians, but in particular for those groups who are disadvantaged. Um, and, and we're certainly interested in any way we can improve preventive health and also provide a more effective public dental services. The funding model is inadequate. They, they, they don't have security of jobs because they, the funding's only renewed every two years. It really should just be ad infinitum. They, they, they need to be, they solid funding. Um, the, the government should realise that more than 85% of dentists are in the private sector and, and they ex expand their coupons and other ways of using private dentists to provide um, essentially free or subsidised dental care um, to patients who are eligible for the public system because the waiting lists are horrendous. They're over two years in many places. And if you've got a toothache, two years is a very long mm. time. In fact, a ridiculously long time. So there is a need for funding for... Um, treating disease that already exists, but we're, we're cognizant of the fact that we want to prevent future disease to reduce the disease burden on our society. Look, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having me. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.